Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Well, this is an amazing day. This is Resurrection Sunday and straight from the Word of God. We put the Word of God first tonight and uh, I think we ought to always put the Word first. If you put the Word first, then problems are dissolved as the Word comes their way because it's the sword of the Spirit. And uh, I pray now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, you are the bread of life. You are the Word of God. You, the word of truth, you, the word of faith, all these things, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, we just pray a blessing upon your word. Feed your people in Jesus' name with living bread tonight, in uh, today, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, um, we have had uh, a whole situation take place. And I, I'm just amazed when I think of how the Lord Jesus worked and what he did and, and you know, the things that, that, um, that uh, actually transpired and happened within his life. You know, uh, he, he says these words. He says, remember carefully. This is Isaiah 46. I'm going to get back to Matthew. Uh, he says in Isaiah 46, remember carefully the former things which I did from ages past, for I am God and there is no one else. And then he says, I am God. And he says, declaring the end and the result of it from the beginning. I declare the end from the beginning. End from the beginning. So in the beginning, you look in the beginning and then you see what's going to happen in the end. Because what the Lord has just said, I declare from the beginning what will be at the end. And... Uh, Makes me think of Jesus saying, like in the last days, it'll be like the days of Noah. That was in the beginning, those first chapters of, of the book of Genesis with Noah. And uh, it says, declaring the result from the beginning and from ancient times of things which have not yet been done. Amplified Bible saying, my purpose will be established. The God declares the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done. That's how God is. And you wonder how it can be that so many things are hidden from our eyes because we need to see the beginning in order to see the end. And we need to learn and discipline our study of the Word of God to always think, what does this mean and what does it point towards? Like Joseph of last week, a type of the Messiah that saved Israel and his brothers. And fulfilling a dream, the sun and the moon and the stars will bow down before me. This is the story of Joseph. We think of Isaac going to Mount Moriah and uh, Abraham wanting to do a living sacrifice of his own son, a burnt offering to the almighty God. And then, uh, then Abraham said, do not worry, the Lord will provide. And uh, at that moment that he raised the knife, the big dagger, to uh, strike Isaac to death, God said, don't. And there was a ram caught in the bush. Those were known as wild sheep. And that forms the foundation of the shofar because the horns of the wild sheep was different from the normal horns that you get today uh, of the rams. And so he sacrificed 
a ram right there from the wild sheep on Mount Moriah. So it's like there'd be father and his son, then God the father and his son. God has things in the Bible. You know, um, you, you wonder how that he declares the, the end from the beginning. You wonder how does that actually even work? You know, because the sacrifice of Jesus, and then, of course, he believed that God could raise him from, from the dead, and uh, the Father could raise him, this is Jesus, from the dead. And so did Abraham. He, he believed God is able to raise the dead. And today, I definitely know, I've seen it in my own eyes, that God raises people from the dead. Uh, and uh, so you see in Genesis 1, uh, we see, uh, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, uh, and uh, the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God hovered on the face of the deep, and the Lord said, and then begins with a creation. Only on the, f- the, the first, okay, let me say two things. Firstly, he says, let there be light. Then on the fourth day only, when he done so, he saw that it was good. Evening, first day, and uh, end of the day, he said, let there be light. There was light. Then on the fourth day, um, he um, again now creates the sun and the moon and the stars. The sun and the moon and the stars. But the first light to come into the world was the light of of the world, Jesus Christ Himself. If I just for a moment quote that verse from the uh, uh, from the Genesis one word from Hebrew, it says Bereshit uh, Elohim Arba at uh, Shimaim Hayretz. That at a t is the abbreviation of Aleph. It's the whole first and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and by the word. He created, he spoke the word, and then he released his light. And that was the first day. And then suddenly on the fourth day, now he puts the sun into place. So what can you learn out of the sun? You know, um, the son of God is talking to us and he's saying to us, well, you know what, uh, see the end from the beginning. Now, if I ask that question, then I read a verse uh, in the book of uh, Malachi 4.2, he says, But you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like staff-fed calves. You'll trample on the wicked. They shall be like ashes. So to you fear my name, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is the beginning of knowledge. The Son of Righteousness shall arise. Did you get that? Take a look at your Bible. If you have a literal translation, particularly like New or Oak, Oak, King James or ESV, you'll see that word, the son of righteousness. What's it spelt? How do you spell? But you look here, right? You see the S-U-N of righteousness. The same spelling as the son, which is created on the fourth day and there's the foundation for Joseph and there's the foundation for Jesus who also forespoke what would happen to Jesus and how he would also be cast into a pit during the night and uh, how you would also suffer all those things terrible things against him 
You know, Jesus' story is remarkable. God tells the end from the beginning, and he says, I'm God. There's no one else that can do that. I know what's going to happen in the end. And uh, it's almost, if you say that in modern terminology, say, I've, I've thrown some hints at you, and you think, what could that mean? What could that mean? Son of righteousness, like S-U-N. Wow. And it says, and how does the son of righteousness, you see there immediately with healing in his wings, New King James has got that word his with a capital letter. God's name must always be spelled. Even if you refer to God, it's in capital letters. Whenever I write anything, whatever it is, SMS, anything, you always see me spelling the full name of God in full capital letters from beginning to end. Because that's God, that's the Almighty, that's the Creator. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. Now he says the Son of Righteousness and healing. In the, in the Bible, it tells you that uh, he is the Son of God, but he's the Son that gives light. I, 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 I don't even know what to say about these things. Now, after the Sabbath, Matthew chapter 28 as uh, the first day of the week had begun to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. An angel came back, rolled back the stone from the door. I have to stop there to tell you something in Jerusalem. Been there 32 times, and I've gone and I've done archaeology all around, watched things there, uh, you know, uh, the archaeology reports, gone to the museum with great purpose, actually, the National Museum to try and find out archaeology, reference to various things. It confirms the Bible, the stones, you know, what, what do they mean? What does these archaeological findings mean? And uh, they are like another witness of the authenticity of the Bible and uh, God's people in the promised land. And so here they go, and they say, roll the stone away. Who rolled the stone away? An angel. Now let's just talk for a moment about that stone that went out of the way. He is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, if you go to the garden tomb in Jerusalem, you find uh, the, the garden tomb. In front of the garden tomb, there's like, a, uh, uh, like a, I would say, a groove in the rocks at the bottom in which one massive stone was rolled to the left and to the right. So they chopped it out of the side of that hill there, very close to Calvary, very close to Golgotha, so to speak, and uh, just a hand's, for a hand's throw away, then th they had this side of the cliff there, they cut down, and then they cut in to create the tomb. And that tomb that is said to be the tomb of Jesus, that tomb has this rock which is now missing, or is it missing? Because archaeology found it. And that's a whole long story I can tell you right now, but I don't have time to do that because that in itself is a major study. But um, that, that, that is about, I would say, that, that stone in thickness at least 
I would say about this thick, if I hold my hands like this. Or if I take two fists and I say, and I'm touching the rock like that, make it easier for your sight, it's about like this. That was like a huge, thick stone. Once it had been placed, it was, now this is how it worked in those days. And the archaeology confirmed, you see, a various sites. That's what they did. Uh, in this case, they made very sure that was locked. So what did they do? There is a, st there is a steel peg in the rock face next to the door of the tomb. So once that rolling stone was placed in place, the Roman nail that was chopped into that limestone there, that, that nail, uh, engineers said that it could take, it could withstand 70 tons of pressure. Did you hear what I just said? 70 tons of pressure. It was like a you don't need a second and a third and a fourth. Just one of those, nobody's going to get that thing open. That nail is in the wall. And with the rolling away of the stone, it just simply broke off. It's still sitting there. So I took close-up pictures of that, of that nail in the wall to try and keep that stone in place. Then from the one side of the stone to the other side of the stone, they had a chain. And... Um, it was, it was like with a lock in the middle to lock it and then anchor it on both sides. And then, of course, we have this situation that we're talking about, this nail that sat there. Actually, the, I think the chain is only to prevent it from falling forward because you don't, didn't need more than a 70-ton peg in that wall to stop that stone from being rolled away. Then they had two guards on both sides of the tomb. They were on guard duty. They had to see that he doesn't come out of that tomb or his body is stolen and that he said, I'll rise again. <laughs> so we have this amazing story when they arrived there, an angel came and that angel had so much power, just rolled the stone away, peg and all. It snapped and it sits there in the rock. I'm fascinated when I see these things if you look from an archaeological point of view, very interesting subject to study. Now, um, it says the angel had rolled the stone from the door and he sat on it. That's now the angel. And his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards for fear of him became like dead men. I mean, Roman soldier, any soldier, no matter who you are, you have an angel appear like that, takes hold of that stone and just bang, just breaks that peg and snaps the chains in the front so that the stone can't fall forward. Man, I'll tell you, that is a thing. Those soldiers were like struck like dead, I tell you. They're just lying there. Uh, and uh, then, of course, to those people who are the visitors to the tomb, the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Go quickly. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. That was a very con convincing demonstration, something 
beyond any natural that we call supernatural. You know, uh, the devil has got all these supernatural, fakey stuff, and uh, you find Hollywood produce a lot of that, that flake stuff. But here's an angel, and there are four Gospels that attest to the authenticity of this event. I'll tell you, snap the stone out of the way, and in one of the other Gospels it says these words, says, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's risen. He's not here. The force wherewith God the Father raised his son from the dead is something that I don't think human beings could understand. One day when seeing him face to face, when we are with the Lord, assembled with the Lord, it'll be fascination. I think it's going to take us, because we're dealing with eternity like a million years, just to get to the bottom of this book. Because I tell you what, this book has fascinated me endlessly. And uh, I, just, I just know that when you look at the facts and the details of Jesus, you know, and in fulfilling scriptures, it's just an amazing thing. Then, of course, we have the situation of Jesus being raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. And uh, now there is uh, those two women. And uh, uh, you know, he says, actually, Jesus said, no man takes my life. I have the power to lay it down, but I also got the power to take it back. And he did that. He had, had the executive force to say, I give permission. Without permission, you can't lay your hands on him. Without permission, you can't do a thing. He stood in front of Pontius Pilate and he said, do you not think that I can pray to my father and he would send me a legion of, of angels? Immediately. More than that, as many as I would want. And there are millions, there are countless millions of those holy angels. How much power in those angels, God gave them abilities that are indescribable and uh, well they saw the angel and uh, now uh, you know the Bible says that he, he rose from the dead now a few things happened first the devil said stop that man stop that man from you know, just from being saving the world but the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians, I want to go there tonight, and um, I want to read here in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. Actually, I'll, yeah, 118, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are on their way to perdition or who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. How do we get saved? Through faith in Jesus Christ. It is the power of God. You see, he's the only person that died and came back. He's the only person that laid down his life, paid for our sins. And you know what? I, I love this part um, where uh, they are, you know, it, it, it speaks here in, in the book of 1 Corinthians. It says, we speak wisdom which none of the rulers of this world knew. Let me just quote it. Which none of the rulers of this world knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. 
if they only knew, they wouldn't have done it. They say, stop him from saving the world. Then they say, among each other, without knowing God's plan, the plan of redemption, let's kill him. They try to throw him off a cliff. They did anything possible to capture him, do, do, catch him at a word. Let's put him out of the way. Let's just, you know, just get him under control. You know, even at the house of Caiaphas, there's a place there at the house of uh, the high priest where they have a pit where they kept him for the rest of the night. And there is, uh, we find the fulfillment of Job uh, in chapter number two, where it says, out of the belly of hell, I cried and thou heard my voice. And then, of course, he gets taken out from there and then he appears before Herod and from Herod, he goes to be crucified. They tried to stop him from saving the world. If they really knew what was coming, they, the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians, it says they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. They would not have done so. Because by doing just that, they created the biggest havoc, disaster, calamity in the camp of the devil in all history. I mean, this is where you find the fulfillment of the devil's rebellion and everything. And apart from the fact that he's going to be going into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone forever, which is the second death. Apart from being cast there, first the beast, the false prophet, Revelation chapter number uh, uh, 19, and then in chapter number 2010, the devil also gets cast into the lake of fire. It burns forever with brimstone. And uh, the wicked dead all go there too. And those are the unbelieving people that don't believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. They prefer to believe something else. They got their own little doctrine and they don't want to listen. They don't want to listen. And you know what I'm saying? For me, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm a shepherd. Look, I am a shepherd and uh, I care about the people. I care about my family. I care about my wife and family. I care about my, my children, my grandchildren. I care about the church, the people of the church. Are they well? Are they okay? That's all I want to know about all the time. And then I happen to look on the television, and particularly if you look at these at the many uh, videos, you see the poor. And today I looked at the video just a little bit earlier in the program, this particular service. I looked at the Etambini and how they're feeding the poor and those people walking around with little bags of food and things through all the videos that we've seen from Etambini. And I'm thinking, Lord, if personally, but I don't have, but if I had it in my power, I'd feed every poor person in the nation permanently. I would not stop for a moment. I'll, if there's anything that has to be given to the people to sustain them, it's a good meal, it's good food. Man, and the worst of the worst is a backsliding Christian. That is a heartbreaker. A heartbreaker. Why do you seek the living from among the dead? Kill him. We speak the wisdom of God which none of the rulers after of this world knew. For had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, something happens. On the cross, he said, death lest die, he says, it is finished. He's paid the price. What, what happens next, Ephesians um, chapter number four, he descends into the lower parts of the earth, into the netherworld. And you know there, having spoiled all principalities, Colossians chapter number two, we find these words in, uh, I think it's verse 14, 
comes to mind now and says uh, that um, having disarmed principalities and power, powers, he made a public spectacle, a spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he stripped them of whatever weaponry they had. He went down there, possibly put the, his foot on the neck of the devil, took away from him the keys of life and death. You don't control life anymore. I'm in control from here. And then he gets raised from the dead. That power that, that, that happened there, and he brings the Old Testament saints, that's another part of the scripture, and a brilliant study to do. He brings them, uh, led, leads a train of captives. They were there in the bosom of Abraham in the Old Testament, and he ascends into heaven. Graves open in Jerusalem. Go read in the Gospels. And uh, I, I think it must be one of the funniest things in the world when somebody knocks on the door, you look, and here's your great-grandfather that died so many years ago, and he says, I'm on my way to heaven just to say hello to you. Gone. Many of the graves were open in Jerusalem and coming out of the graves were those people that had already departed. The most amazing, he takes them up into heaven with him. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Now the next thing is stop him from being raised from the dead. There's one chance. So immediately right there at the time of the crucifixion, they're already running the chief priests and the, and the and the Pharisees and all, the whole gang of them, they just group together, go to Pontius Pilate and says, we want gods there, that tomb, because, you know, lest somebody come and steal his body. Well, it is so. Somebody came to steal his body. Is it so? No, it's not so. We've just read that it wasn't so. And the Gospels unanimously declares, in fact, I quoted Romans chapter number 1, uh, he was declared with power by the resurrection as Lord, as the Savior of the world. He was declared with power by the, by the resurrection of and from the dead. There he broke Satan's powers, stripped him down of any weaponry. You know the devil? If you see uh, Revelation chapter number 6, you read the, the rider of the white horse there. That's the Antichrist. You see as a bow, it doesn't say, say anything about arrows. He goes on a horse, but no arrows. He's been stripped. So the devil cannot attack you except you allow him to attack you. You hear what I'm saying? Because if they knew about it, they wouldn't crucify him. Because they crucified him. He became the first begotten from the dead, poured out his spirit on all the people who believed in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And from that point in time, more disaster for the devil. And all of the demons that thought they had a party, they haven't got a party. We're here now. They think they're going to do this, we pray, and but God. Then another problem comes, and but God. And then another problem comes, and but God. God's always there. God is in control of your life. God loves you. And the devil couldn't stop him to be raised from the dead. And even after that, they spoke to those soldiers, it was too late. And they gave them a large sum of money. And they said, well, you know what? Uh, say that the disciples came and stole the body. They looked everywhere, couldn't find that body. But of course, we know what happened. And we know that all the witnesses tell us. 
And we know that how he appeared to many. Read 1 Corinthians 15 if you can. And just see all the people that, that saw him after his resurrection from the dead. Amazing stuff. So Jesus is the risen king of glory. Declared with power by the resurrection from the dead. And now there is a new day that is coming to our lives. We who believe in him get filled with the same Holy Spirit, become part of his body, him being the head of the body, temples of the Holy Spirit we are. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart, by mouth and heart, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's the very, very Romans 10 verse 9 and verse 10 with your mouth. You confess unto salvation with your heart. You believe unto righteousness. Repent of sins. Give your life to Jesus. Stay with Jesus, particularly now. All the days of your life. And serve him with gladness. And serve him with joy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.